So we're beginning this Old Testament book of Ruth. Judges, the book of Judges, closed with a verse in chapter 21, verse 25. It said, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Doesn't that sound like today? Uh, There's, uh, I mean, we have a king, um, well, a ruler, a leader, but everyone does what is right in their own eyes. Um, And justice sometimes uh, actually is carried out and sometimes not. But uh, that's not where our focus should be. Because regardless of what was going on uh, back in that time, the people knew who God was. Well, they were supposed to know. That's what they believed. They were Jews. They understood who God was. But they didn't listen to him all that well. Sometimes they would listen, sometimes they wouldn't, and then they would get themselves in a lot of trouble. And so here Ruth is um, really the subject, the object of this story, but it goes beyond that. She's, She's a Gentile. A Gentile? A book of the Bible named after a Gentile? That's unique, huh? especially in the Old Testament. We, she wasn't a prophet or anything like that. She was a Moabitess. She was from Moab. So it was a dark time for Israel during those years, as I mentioned. They were struggling to keep the faith. Uh, nah, they just gave it up whenever they felt like it. And that's the same way our world is living today. Our world goes from one thing to the next thing to the next thing. They look for whatever makes them comfortable, it seems like. People are really into being comfortable. And the problem is uh, that those things change quite often, quickly. And if we're not grounded in something more than just the satisfaction of personal surroundings and and personal creature comforts. Um, If we don't have anything more than that, then we get dissatisfied pretty quickly and our hearts change and we end up looking for something new, looking for something better. So God had raised up these judges to help Israel out, but they continue to go through uh, trial after trial Today, our message is titled, From Pleasant to Bitter. And we begin our study through the book of Ruth with chapter 1 in verse 1. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to dwell in the country of Moab. He and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Elimelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Chilion, Ephrathats of Bethlehem, Judah. 
And they went to the country of Moab and remained there. And so the story begins setting the scene. The scene was famine. Famine in Judah in a place called Bethlehem. Well, we know who's going to come out of Bethlehem eventually, but right now, things don't look very good. And here is this family that's in Bethlehem. They're Jewish, and they're in Bethlehem, but now they're going to flee Bethlehem because of the famine. Well, we've seen this, especially in the book of Genesis. You see many times when there were famines and uh, the people of God would flee to some place that had food. And Elimelech was now in that same situation. He was leaving to go find some place that had food. And he chose Moab. Moab was not high on God's list of places that the Jews should go visit. As a matter of fact, he didn't want them to have any part of Moab. He didn't want them to have a relationship with them. He didn't want them to go visit there. He wrote off Moab for generations to come. They were supposed to be separate from Moab. But here, Elimelech goes and takes his family um, to Moab. Bethlehem means the house of bread. And so here's the house of bread without bread because of the famine. Elimelech means my God is king. And so here, Elimelech is leaving the house of bread to go to Moab. So he's going to a place that he's not familiar with. He may have heard rumors that there's food there, that there's land there that he can go to. But here's the thing. He left the house of bread without talking to his God the king. And he took his family and he left. Now, my question is, why didn't he go to one of the other Jewish um, groups that are on the other side of the Jordan? Remember, the tribes of Judah settled in the promised land, but there were two tribes that settled on the other side. Reuben and Gad settled on the other side of the Jordan and Manasseh. So, well, half of Manasseh settled on the other. See, so then you have those that settled out there. They were the left wing. Uh, the others were the right wing. They settled in the promised land. And then you had Manasseh who was independent. And they settled on both sides, half on one side, half on another. They pick a side. Get get in. Okay. Uh, But they didn't go there. They didn't go and settle with their own people along the Jordan. Uh, I'm sure the famine wasn't also there, but they left the place where the famine was and then settled uh, there. Verse 3 
then Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab. The name of one was Orpah, the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Malon and Chilion also died. And so the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Wow, this is not a good story. They leave Bethlehem. They go now to Moab. Her two sons, Malon and Chilion. Malon means sickly. And, And so don't know if that was the case, that he was a sickly type person, but he died. So um, I'm, I'm assuming that uh, that's part of it. Chilion, um, he liked Mexican food. And, and so um, I, I don't remember what Chilion meant. So anyway, these are the sons that also die. So Elimelech dies, uh, Malon and Chilion die, and now, now what? Now you have three widows. And so there's only one widow that is a God-fearing widow here, Naomi. And the other two are Moab, uh, Moabitesses, okay, from Moab. And so they are pagan as uh, far as that goes. So there are no other children for the wives. See, in, in those days, the practice was if your husband died, and you didn't have any children, the wife would then marry one of the brothers of the one that died. And so the brother was supposed to then propagate the line, and they were supposed to continue the line for that name, for that brother. And that, that's what normally would happen, but there were no other brothers at this point. And so three widows having to fend for themselves and figure out how to make all of this happen. So we go into verse 6. Then she arose, we're talking about Naomi, (laughs) with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore, she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. And so here she takes her daughters-in-law and she says, you know what, I have nothing here. There's nothing tying me to this place. I'm going to go back to my land, the land I know, the land where I, I have family there, someone that may be able to take care, and I'm going to go back. She also knew that Israel, they took care of their widows for the most part. They, um, they had a program in place to take care of those in need, and she knew she can go back there. And, you know, it, it's, it's like the prodigal son who, when he took his inheritance and left, he went to a foreign country. He spent it all, squandered it all. There was a famine in the land, and there was nothing for him at that point. And he said, you know what, 
I got to go back home. I've, I've spent it all. I have nothing here. I've got to go back home. And so here, Naomi's in the same place. I've got to go back home. I've got to be with my people. Uh, see, the prodigal son, he chose to go because he thought the grass was greener on the other side. Well, that's what Elimelech thought too. Elimelech thought, hey, you know what? Uh, we're, we're having a famine here. And so we need to go. Sometimes we have famines in our own lives. We have struggles that we go through. Some of it is caused by us. We cause our own famine. We do things that cause the trial to take place in our lives. And we have to suffer the consequence of what we do. Quite often people think, oh, well, if I come to God, all my problems will be gone. No, all your problems won't go away, but you have someone that carries them with you and gives you strength through the problems that you go through. And so Naomi knew this. Naomi knew, I can go back to where I need to be. The prodigal son knew, I can go back. I, I, my, my father's servants eat better than I do. I'm going to go back. And so that's what Naomi was thinking here. She has her, her two daughters-in-law, and uh, she's heading out with them. And Naomi said to her daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of her husband. And so she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And so here she's so full of grace and, and concern for them. They're still young. They they were only married somewhere within 10 years, and so they could probably find another husband, especially in Moab, in a place where they don't abide by the same Jewish laws, and, and so they could probably go and find another husband. And so she gives them an out. And notice, she blesses them. The Lord bless you. Uh, that's sweet. That's telling them that she knows the Lord will bless them, can bless them, and he wants to bless them. Well, at least that's what she's praying. And the Lord grant that you may find rest, each in the house of her husband. So she's praying that they find new husbands. And so that they can find rest in a house with a husband to take care of them. And they said to her, surely we will return with you to your people. And so that speaks volumes about who Naomi is. They must have really felt the love from Naomi. I'm not going to go back to my mother. My mother. Oh. Man, she's, uh, can't deal with her. But Naomi, you've been nice to me, so I'll come. Isn't it funny how our kids always find other people so nice? You know, oh, this person is so nice. They, 
they told me so many wonderful things, and, and I feel so comfortable around them. Good, go live with them. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. My daughter may be watching right now. So, um, you know, that's, you know, we want our children to feel welcome at home, but if they're not at home, we want them to feel loved by whoever they're with whether it's their husband, whether mother-in-law, whatever the case may be. You know, mother-in-laws get a bad rap, but um, Naomi was the good one. She was probably the last good one. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Naomi wanted them to go back to be with their husbands. And Naomi said, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there still sons in my womb that they may be your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should also bear sons, would you wait for them until they were grown? Would you restrain yourself from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes, that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. And, and so here she is. She's telling them, look, I know tradition is that if I had other sons, you would marry them. But I don't even have a husband to produce other sons. And by the time I do, would you wait for them until they're old enough then to marry? You would be old. And that wouldn't be a good fit. So, you know, just go and go find yourself uh, new husbands. And, and then she closes the idea with the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. She blames it on herself. Look, the hand of the Lord isn't against you. Yes, you lost your husbands, but you have a chance. You can go out and find another husband. God can bless you again. So... Just go ahead and go back and open up the opportunity for God at least to bless you uh, in this way. And then she took the blame on herself. God's hand has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. So Orpah said, yeah, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to go. Okay, I'll go back. You're right. And who can blame her, right? But Ruth said, no, I'm going to hang on to you. I don't want you to go. I don't want you to go without me. I want to go with you. Well, hold on. She was leaving the world that Ruth grew up in, that Ruth was raised in, and their their pagan ways are much different than the ways of Israel. Israel was going to be much harder for her to adapt to. And, and I'm sure that she knew how much the Jews loved the Moabites. You know, so uh, she's like really taking a chance by uh, going with Ruth. And she said, look, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, 
my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking to her. So Naomi just said, okay, I'm, I'm not even going to try to talk you out of this. I can see that you're committed. But Ruth makes a commitment that goes beyond just, okay, I'll go along with you until things get hard, until I find a better opportunity. We do that. We do that as people in our careers, in our life. We're going to go along for a certain period of time, but if, if it gets uncomfortable, if we don't like things, we can change them up. We can move to a new location. If we don't like the, the people, we're, we can change up friends. We can get rid of them. Go find new friends. It, we can be in a church and say, you know what, I don't like this church. I want to go somewhere else. That's why there are so many churches and so many options for people to choose where they're going to go. I love having people in our church. First of all, we're family. Regardless if you've been here one time or whether you've been here 50 times or 100 times or 11 years, this is family. Because if we're all believers in Jesus Christ, we're family. We're all related. We're going to get up there in heaven and we're going to see each other. And this is family. Uh, we're going to celebrate together. We're going to worship Jesus together there. So might as well start here. And we, that's what we do together. It, every church is different. We, we have different music. We don't have musicians on stage. We, have, we don't have musicians. Nobody knows how to play guitar. So we, I'm kidding, but we don't have a worship team, but we have music so that we can sing because the Lord is an interest interested in who's playing the music. The Lord's interested in the heart of the person singing. And so, you know, that's why I don't have a problem not having a worship team. The most important thing to me is, though, the word of God needs to go out clearly. It needs to be taught fully. I'm not going to skip over parts of the word of God that are uncomfortable. We're going to go through it all. We're going to hear it all because it is all relevant for today. Amen. It's all relevant. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the word of God is relevant. We don't need to make it relevant. Don't need to, you know, package it up and make it look pretty. It's relevant because it's the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. The truth is always the truth. The truth never becomes a lie. The truth never takes a detour and, you know, oh, well, it's the truth for you, not for me. No, the truth is true. And you can never change that. And a lie is always a lie. And, you know, uh, th there are lots of jokes I can make about that watching the news and, and the TV and, you know. Uh, but 
some people get hung up on the fact, well, some news is true and some, no, it's all a lie. <laughs> unless it's based on Jesus Christ, unless it's based on God's truth, there's always a smidgen of a lie in there. There's always, well, maybe not a lie, mistruth, untruth, you know. it's kind of like you've heard it before, you know, the brownies that, you know, someone baked and they said, oh, these brownies are the best I've made. Uh, But um, my my dog, um, I didn't realize my dog had pooped on the spoon. And a little bit of it got mixed in. But don't worry, it's just a little bit. And uh, so... Who's eating those brownies, right? Uh, you know, it doesn't matter if it was just a little bit in a little place, you know, in there. You're just not going to do it well. Most people won't do that. And the thing is, the truth is always true. It's always what's right for us. It's always what's best for us. But a lie, even a little bit of a lie, gets in there and it corrupts the truth. It corrupts what God is doing in our hearts by building truth and faith and, and, and giving us grace and mercy so that we can go out and live it in the world right now. You know what? That's the hardest thing to do right now is go out and live like Jesus Christ in our world today because most people don't like Jesus. You know, and it's sad. Uh, They can deal with the idea of Jesus, but they don't like the truth of Jesus. Uh, They don't want to believe, you know, the whole word of God. They want to believe enough to make them comfortable, but they don't want to believe enough to make them change their lives. You've heard about this revival that's going on in one of our colleges in our country. And, you know, there are these kids, they've been there for eight or nine days now, uh, and there's just this revival pouring out. I don't know. Haven't been there. Don't know what's going on. Um, But I'll tell you where revival starts. In your heart. It doesn't start in a college in Kentucky. It doesn't start anywhere that is a particular location. It starts in our hearts. When we decide we're going to leave behind the things that keep us from walking with the Lord, that keep us from living in truth, when we decide that we're not going to do the things we know, the Holy Spirit convicts us, tells us, don't do that. Have you ever felt that? way when you start doing something and and you just feel like I shouldn't be doing this that's the Holy Spirit telling you don't do that but then we try to just well but this may minister to someone you know well if it's doing something that the Lord calls sin it's not ministering anyone it's just letting people know that Christians can sin just like anyone else. And, and the thing is, they can. We can. We can live in sin just like anyone else. Uh, the difference is that when we, you know, when we go to heaven, um, we've had our sin forgiven. But that doesn't mean, what shall we for, 
Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound, so that God continues to pour out his grace upon us? Shall we continue that way? No. God forbid. How can we who have been forgiven and received salvation any longer live in sin and walk in sin? And and so there's some deep stuff, huh? And, uh, well, you know, this is what's going on here. Uh, um, I, I love what Ruth is telling her. She's saying that anywhere Naomi goes, that's where she's going to stay. She's leaving behind Moab. She's leaving behind, she's repenting and turning away. Repenting means turning away and going in another direction. That's what repentance is. She is leaving behind Moab to go to Israel. And not only that, where Naomi lives, she's going to live. And her people shall now be Ruth's people. And Naomi's God will become her God. That's not the clincher. The clincher is, and where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts you and me. Those of you that took the vow, till death do us part, that's what it is. It's the vow. She made an eternal vow until death. I'm going to be there for you until death. That's commitment. She made a physical commitment saying, I'm going to go with you and I'm going to be with you. But then she made the spiritual commitment. Your God will be my God. And when we die, the only thing that's going to separate us is death. That's deep. That's spiritual. Verse 19, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? But she said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home empty again. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. The idea here is that Naomi, the name Naomi, means pleasant. And she's saying, don't call me pleasant because I'm not pleasant. I'm bitter. And, you know, here I am coming home and I'm bitter about what God did. We don't know the circumstances that they're in wasn't due to their own choices. I'm going to leave behind the house of bread. Remember, she's married to Elimelech, and so she goes where Elimelech goes, right? And then once Elimelech dies, the sons, they're there. They married these girls there in, in, in Moab. So now they're living there and they're part of that life, that community, and they die. Now she doesn't have any... Real, it, it's not the fact that a woman has to be attached to a man and that's why this is gone. That, it's none of that. It's the fact that back in that culture, 
if a woman didn't have a husband, um, she better be wealthy. You know, she better be able to survive on her own because there were no other options for women back then. And so uh, basically the welfare program was the only place uh, that we're going to get into that next time, what the welfare program was and how um, she, they were going to be part of this welfare program as, as widows. But here, Naomi comes back into town. The, everybody's happy to see Naomi. You see, Naomi had a good reputation everywhere she went. You know, when, when she left town, she, she goes to Moab, and she then takes on these uh, two Moabitess daughter-in-laws. Uh, she loved them, and she demonstrated the love of God to people from Moab. People knew who Naomi was because of the love she had. So regardless of Elimelech, Malon, and Chilion, they, they, they died. We don't hear a lot about their relationship with the Lord, but we do with Naomi. And here she's coming back now to the house of bread. But she said, oh, and she's blaming God for these things. But uh, the same way that Job blamed God in a way, you know, I don't know why God's doing this to me. Well, God wasn't doing anything to Job. He just allowed the enemy to do something, but he wasn't doing it to him. Sometimes we get caught up in that. We get caught up in the idea that God is mad at us and he's cursing us, you know, because of events that are going on in our lives. Hey, it rains on the just and the unjust equally. So we don't suffer anything that the world doesn't suffer. Oh, some people appear to have it really good. There was another famous person that committed suicide the other day, the husband of Kelly Pickler. And, um, you know, so... We know maybe who Kelly Pickler is, but who's her husband, you know, this guy? Well, if you read up, he, he was no slouch. He wrote songs for many of the popular people. He won awards. Uh, he was nominated for another award recently. And, and so this guy was no slouch. He had uh, a career of his own, big career and everything, but he wasn't happy. He wasn't content. And... That's the most important thing for us to find, regardless of the situation we're in, whether there is bread or not, we need to find contentment. Sometimes the Lord takes us to the place where we rely on him instead of relying on our wealth, relying on our creature comforts, relying on the things that we have come to know are good for us. They support us. This is how, this is the lifestyle I want to live. And all of a sudden it's taken away. That's the time where God gets to show himself strong on your behalf. That's the time where God says, okay, you were used to doing things this way. I'm going to take care of you now. I'm going to provide for you now. So, we sometimes need to get to the point where we just lift up our hands and say, Lord, 
I don't know what to do. It doesn't matter how much money we have in the bank. It doesn't matter what kind of home we live in. We get to that point where we just feel empty and we need help. And that's when the Lord says, okay, now I can work. Now I can show you who I am. Now I can meet your needs. And, and then we are excited. Then we get all caught up with the Lord and we get all blessed and go out there and, and everything is going really well. And then we say, uh, okay, Lord, I got it from here. Right? Happens to us too often. The good news is when we get back down to that bottom rung again, Lord's there again saying, okay, I'm still here. Come on. Come on, I'll show you the way. Naomi is finding her way. She's going back to where she knows she should have been all along. Hey, she was just following Elimelech, you know, but she knew where to go back to. And now she's going back to the beginning, back to the house of bread, back to where the Lord can bless her abundantly. And that's what each one of us sometimes need to get to, that place where, you know, sometimes we go from grace to grace to grace to what seems to be bitterness, but there's always more grace. And so we just have to be ready to receive it. Amen. Amen. 